welcome to Two Guys Talking. With Marks and Chris. Chris, right, so we mentioned we mentioned Iron Maiden last week. Yes, we did. Right? We talk- so no, I don't think it was last week. I think it was the week before. Doesn't matter. You've got some beer on the table. That's what I'm interested in. Okay, so what have we got? So, uh, one of my friends sent me a link to uh, an Iron Maiden beer collection. If you don't know, Iron Maiden's Bruce Dickinson brews his own beer with Robinson's Brewery, based right here in Manchester. Nice. Actually in Stockport. Oh, okay. Still, it, it still counts. Close, close enough, you know. Fuck it. And uh, I got, I did get this box of beer. There's 12 beers in total. You get two of each kind. So we decided we'll have a nice little theme of beers. We'll have two each week of this Iron Maiden beer. Fantastic. Now, I, I know nothing about this beer. I'm pretty sure I've tried some of it in the past, but I I don't know. It's, it's like a clean slate. I have no idea what we're, what, what we're dealing with here. So Now, I have had a few, but I've not had these two. I might have had the red and the black, which is a type of porter. Okay. However, I feel like we should start with the 666 Trooper beer. Which is a premium British beer. It is a limited edition as well, so I don't know if you can get this anywhere else. All right, you okay. can get it from this it's collection box. Just how much is the collection box uh, for the box and delivery? It was thirty quid. Okay, so well, well, for twelve beers. For twelve beers, thirty quid. So, is that good? I don't know. I mean, I mean, this I don't is, think it's good. <laughs> I mean, oh, interesting. Right. So, as it happens. This 666 is 6.6% volume. So Interesting. Nice one, man. There's also a story on the back of the bottle. Uh, if you if you take a look at the back, it does tell you some history about why the beer's name's 666. Okay. Um, onward, onward road, the 666. The charge of the light brigade. Ah, I remember them talking on Top Gear about this. Um, the charge of the light brigade took place at the Battle of Balaclava, which happened in 1854, during the Crimean War, inspiring the Iron Maiden song, The Trooper. Ah, that's why it's Most called... Most famous song. Is that why it's called Trooper? Yeah, then. Nice. Okay. Recent research has found that 666 British cavalrymen charged the massed Russian... Yes, yeah, so there was a lot of Russian guns, basically. Yeah, like... Was prime... it, was it, wasn't it a misunderstood order? Uh, I am unsure. What I do know is the uh, the Crimean War was obviously fought in Crimea, which was part of Russia at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it very famously, the British withheld with less forces. Didn't they have like horses and shit and they were going up against like cannons and guns? Like, yeah, yeah. The complete, like, it just was not fair at all. Um, the, okay, this gallant but foolheartedly action resulted in massive loss of life and was due to misunderstanding an order given by Lord Raglan. Okay, so that's what's on the back of the bottle here. Uh, We've created Trooper 666, charged with even more flavour and more alcohol, but brewed to the same great recipe of the original Trooper. Right. So I appreciate what they're doing, but they're kind of like very, very loosely... Relating it to, I mean... Now, for those who don't know, Trooper is obviously Iron Maiden's most famous beverage from Robinson's. Uh, We do have that in the fridge for the last week. Are Robinson's the people who brew this as well? Is it like a commission or something? It is a partnership. Ah. So Robinson's brewed beer for Iron Maiden. And Iron Maiden provide the font, basically. Pretty much. For the label. Pretty much. Very nice, man. Uh, There is one in there called Sun and Steel. 
And I've been looking for this for ages, ever since it came out. This is the biggest reason why I actually went, you know what? Fuck it. 30 quid. I want this one beer that's in there. So I'm looking at the I'm looking at the color of this beer in my <laughs> in my <laughs> Copperberg glass because obviously everyone's got you know Christmas you, yeah, your parents you your always cider. yeah you always get um, Copperberg cider gifts that I've got so many of these goddamn glasses anyway so we're looking at it looks like a cider it's quite red it's got quite um no it's an amber ale it's an am yes yeah, an amber it's got an amber t- yeah. uh, quality to it. Um, now, when I did my um, Brewdog beer tasting about a year and a half ago, right, you might remember me saying that we learned how to appreciate beer. So what you do, you get the glass. I want you to pick up your glass, right? Okay, so, okay. so you're you're drinking out of a. I'm drinking out of a tankard. Tankard, but I'm just drinking out of a normal glass. And you just <laughs> you kind of swirl it, kind of get the get the froth. I don't think this is. A, a, yeah, you a, can. Look. A swirling. We are not, not... we are drinking the same. Look, look at mine, right? There's a nice there's a nice foam on the top. Yeah, but you've this got, is going to spill got, if I do this. You've got well, you need to well maybe I don't know drink some and then uh, what, drank this, some. That's it, the this, problem. It releases the flavor. It releases the the aromatic essence of the beer, and then of course you just down it in one go, don't you? Now normally mm. I would just drink out of the bottle, but considering this is a, a special purchase, I have got myself a glass. It's got a nice... It's quite smooth, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really nice beer. Like, like I say, normally you get it off the pump. Obviously not this one. This is limited edition. Mm. And like I was saying before, there are a few in here that you don't find very often, such as the red and black. As I'm drinking it, obviously you tilt the glass. And when you tilt the glass back, I notice how the foam sticks to the glass very nicely. That's a sign of a good beer, that. If, it, <laughs> if, a be- if the foam's just like coffee, if, if the foam sticks to the uh to the glass or the cup then that's a sign that it's that it's you know good. What? it's funny you say that obviously in work mm. we have a espresso machine it's that will make the espresso for us mm. and the thing you look for for like if it's good to go to the guest or if you need to make it again is has it still got that foamy head mm-hmm. so it just disappears it's like no yeah. it's no good you cannot serve that yeah exactly you have to make it again because it looks like shit mm-hmm. the problem we have is the machine itself it obviously it brews the coffee at the right temperature mm-hmm. however the glasses might be cold yeah and so it goes bad a lot quicker that's the thing like coffee it's a science brewing it properly um there's even argument to say so you know the the porter filter the thing that in a with an espresso machine you've got like this handle and you you put the coffee into like a little basket that's in the handle and you put the yeah. handle into the machine the water runs through at a certain temperature, brews it, great. Apparently, if the handle is cold, then it, it, it saps the heat away from the coffee and can affect the brewing. Really? Um, which is why at work, I've been that weird guy who, you know, stores the porter filter in the actual coffee machine as if I'm brewing it because there's like a heat plate and it heats up the porter filter. Yeah, yeah. Whereas everyone else is just fucking leaves it on the draining board and just leaves it alone. <laughs> I've got to be weird and I've got to like, you know, you know, store it in a way that keeps it warm because apparently that... I mean, it, it fucking tastes the same. Like, I, no. can't, I can't actually tell, but I feel better for doing it. I remember you compared yourself to a Ponce a few weeks ago mm. for your, your desire for a good coffee. Literally, a good like, cup of coffee. When I, so when lockdown started and I couldn't go to Cafe Nero anymore, that used to be my go-to... I had to start making coffee at home because I was fucking knackered. There was no caffeine anywhere and instant coffee wouldn't do it because I'm used to drinking espresso coffee. So I literally ground the beans and I was, I had a stopwatch and I was timing how long I had the coffee sitting in the French press for in the cafetiere 
because you know you have to get it the grind just right you have to get the, otherwise it'll taste bitter and all that my mum's just like what the fuck are you do just fucking just put the water in like you're faffing about i can't be ferritin about she'll she'll say oh you know it just it's a lot of faff a lot of ferritin about you can't be doing that just drink the damn coffee just drink the damn coffee but coffee's different from water with the water you turn on the tap as we discussed last week and it just comes out whereas with coffee at least like you have to you know you the way that you make it affects how it'll taste and no, what? i, I want to enjoy it i watched a video recently uh, it's not the first time I've watched it. I watched it before, but I've rewatched it, and I think it's from Cheddar okay. uh, YouTube channel. Oh yeah, mm. and they talk about the difference between a good coffee and a bad coffee, and how Americans have become used to bad coffee. Honestly, Just shitty, yeah. bitter coffee. Yeah. So and we... how how Starbucks is like a nice middle ground coffee, mm. but your independent coffee shops are the ones that actually do a good quality cup. Yeah, yeah. And you. That, that came up on me. Oh, I didn't... What, did you just... I oh, just burped a bit. Oh, did you? Yeah, it like just popped up. I was like, oh, no. God. Popped up like an ex you didn't want to talk to. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> no, get back down. I don't want to talk to you. leave me alone. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Starbucks. Nice middle level coffee. And you know what? I quite like Starbucks every now and then. The thing is, they, they fucking... They sugar that up so much. Like the foams and, and, the, and the syrups and the shit. Like, honestly... Like I, I don't just get put, a straight up latte. I don't put any sugar in my coffee anymore. If it's from a coffee shop, I put like four sugars in. Fucking hell. Well, yeah. well, to, well, to be fair, four sugars isn't that much because, well, it is, but it's not four sugars because like, they have to reduce. The sachets the are sachets like half are... a heap teaspoon. So yeah, at yeah. home, I have two sugars in my coffee. Yeah. With the instant stuff. With your stuff, it's all right with just one sugar. Yeah. And I think that's like the difference in quality yeah is i will have one sugar in the actual ground coffee mm-hmm. that we make with a cafetiere mm-hmm. but the instant shit i have two well the thing is with instant coffee is it's already been brewed and then they basically freeze it and break it up into little bits and then they put that in the in the jar and then you buy the jar and then you obviously add hot water to it it thaws it out and then there you go and it, and it dissolves into the drink yeah exactly but with but with freshly ground coffee at home or in a coffee shop, it, you're going to get a lot more... Fl- it It's more natural. That said, though, who the fuck thought of, oh, I'm going to take this plant, there's a bean off it, I'm going to take the bean, I'm going to build a machine which pumps water at a certain pressure, at a certain temperature, through the granules of the bean, and then we're going to make an espresso out of that. Who thought of that? What a weird... It, this is one of the things that I find amazing about human evolution or human progression. Just, just, just human in invention i would not say even that it. like how many people died finding out whether something was edible or not like who decided that's true i'm gonna try and eat this thing hmm. and i've never tried it before no one around me has tried it, it it's completely new to me mm-hmm. but it, it looks yummy it looks like it'll be nice to eat so i'm gonna i'm gonna have a potter over and i'm gonna give it a go and then dies with foam coming out of the mouth because they shouldn't have eaten it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, as a kid, did your mum ever tell you not to eat the berries? Yeah, all the time. This is like one of the big things. Like, don't eat the red berries off the bush. I've like, not seen like any the red blueberries, berries the bush for a the long time. The blackberries, yeah. But the, the red berries, no. Can you at least put the red berries in your gin? Or is that still not allowed? I wouldn't recommend it. Because I've been drinking, honestly, so I've been drinking um, a lot of gin recently. I never used to like tonic. Very dry, not a good taste. But you know what? 
since coffee shops closing and me deciding, right, I'm going to drink coffee differently. I'm not going to put sugar in anymore. I think that's changed my taste buds over the last 12 months, man. And genuinely, I can drink tonic, which is a very dry drink, happily. I used to mix my gin with lemonade, but I just don't like it as much now. It's too sweet, you know? So my taste buds have changed. You know what? You will get on with my mum very well, because she loves a good gin. Not if she heard episode two of the podcast. <laughs> uh, but no, so you're like, we've got a mint plant now. Yeah, I bought, I bought, my, I like the smell of mint. My, uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, original source. Oh yeah. Mm. My go-to body wash is the mint original source. Yeah, that's nice. So I like the smell of mint. Yeah, I've always yeah. liked the smell of mint. So Very I nice. make myself smell like mint so that I, I feel good about myself. Meanwhile, I'm there plucking the leaves off your mint plant, putting it in my gin. Yeah, I'm with, going with the mint blueberries, plant. right? And I'm, it's delicious. I'm going the mint plant because I like mint. I like the smell of mint. I like, I just like mint. I mean, I can. I'm and looking, you're just. I'm looking at away. the plant. I'm looking at the plant now. Like, like you can't tell that I've taken leaves off, but man, I've taken like at least ten leaves off that thing. I believe mint grows quite quickly and it mm. spreads quite quickly. Well, you want like you want. So, I had a rose a rosemary bush at one point. That died pretty quickly. No, no, I mean it took like a good five months before like, I had it for quite a while. But I think it got root rot because the pot was too small and the roots grew to the point where they weren't letting water drain out of the pot because they clogged up the drain holes. Uh-huh. So root rot, it just suddenly... I came home one day, the fucking thing's black. I'm like, what the hell? What happened here? Yeah. But when it was alive, it tasted delicious. And I was eating that thing quite a lot. But it was a very good cycle because it would grow back. I'd use it maybe once a week or once every two weeks. So obviously every time I use it, it had grown back. So I, it was like a continuating yeah. you know, cycle of just... Just, just good herb. It was a very it, good. It's herb. free herbs, essentially. Literally, yeah. I mean, it was also a gift off my um, sister's boyfriend, so it was literally free herbs. Um, <laughs> you so know what? delicious, man. One thing I've learned from working where I work is when you need to season something, you do not need to go over the top with it. You don't have to like pour rosemary onto it or mm. thyme or garno. Well, where you work, it's like it's like a steakhouse. Obviously, yeah. you got other meats too. Yeah, but. The best thing with steak, at least, is just simplicity, right? Just a bit of salt. Yeah, a bit That's of salt. It. A bit yeah, of salt. Yeah, man. Although, uh, that said, I, I will fry my steak with garlic, with rosemary, with mushrooms, just in the pan as well. Yeah. Just because I think it... I don't know, man. It's just good shit. It's Honestly, delicious. I used to be terrible at cooking meats because I was always trying like different combinations of herbs and spices. Mm. And now I just had a bit of salt and pepper. And that's it. What did you have for tea today? What did you have? I just had some pork noodles. Literally, it sounds sophisticated. It was just pork that you'd grilled. Yeah. Some super noodles. But I mean, my God, that did look... It tasted nice. It it was... Uh, instead of getting like the British branded da- uh, super noodles, I get one called Dami Ramen. Okay. And yeah. you get the the sauce packet and like a oil packet. Okay. And the flavour is so much nicer. I've actually become quite a fan of having sesame-flavoured noodles. Really? Okay. Everyone only just goes for chicken. Mm, chicken, chicken and, and mushroom. mushroom. Yeah. Or, I mean, I used to, when I used to work, I used to work in a shop as my first job. And there was a phase where I would just buy so many of the chow mein pot noodles. Yeah. Like, I don't know what, the, I, don't know what I was doing. Um, I don't touch them anymore, you know. Don't get me wrong. Every now and then, I will buy a pot noodle just because it's, it's easier, isn't it? You just put the water in. And then you bin whatever's left. Mm. You can't do that with uh, with the super noodles because you've got to cook them. Yeah. Cook them in a bowl or you can cook them on the hob. Mm-hmm. When I when I add meat to it, I do do it on the hob. But normally I do it in the microwave. I've got I've got to tell you, man, like 
I don't know how I'll get on, but I am very much looking forward to when travel starts again. Because what I really want to do is go to Japan, try some proper ramen in like a yes. proper in a proper place. Now, my sister's been to Japan. She went on her own for three weeks. Now, obviously, it's not only a different dialect; it's a different alphabet system, different hieroglyphics, right? Yeah. So I don't know like how she got on, but it was one of the best trips she's ever had. I can't. I would love to do that kind of thing. I'd love to, you know. Japan, like especially Tokyo. Is mm. one of my like go to places. Oh, I also she... would like to visit Hokkaido, which is the northern island. Okay. Well, she went all over. I'm not sure where she went. She did. She went to Kyoto and Tokyo, obviously the two major cities. But she went other places too. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Kyoto is more for your um, traditional Japanese culture and heritage and the shrines and all that kind of stuff. You know, Tokyo is just like made cafes and cats and shit, <laughs> right? But I mean, it's the biggest city on earth, man. Is it really? Yeah, it's huge. Fuck, I, I would have thought like Shanghai or like maybe somewhere in China would have had that crown. You know? Tokyo. Have you heard of like the mega cities? Yeah. You know, I mean, even India like is just is just huge. I mean, if I went to India, I don't know where I'd go. I'd probably end up in Delhi because that's the capital. Mumbai's good. You want to go to Mumbai? Well. Yeah. But uh, shit, yeah, that's like what it? I mean. Like as the wider country, I wouldn't know where to go or what to do. Uh, Although to be fair, when I booked my holidays. It isn't normally a place you would go to. No. Like my first holiday without my family was to Chechen. Yeah. Which is a, a Polish town on the German border. Thing is, that isn't like most people in this country. They go to like, well, whether it's Marbella or whether mm. it's like, um, I don't know, some, some shithole in Spain or whatever, you know. They like go some, to holiday resorts. Yeah, holiday resorts. But I mean, I, f- I find that you... Like, we spoke about this before, like, you know, you went to one hot country as a holiday, hated it, but to be fair, it was raining. There's a picture of you <laughs> stood next to the pool in your shorts with the rain coming down. Yeah, there's there's an ironic thing here. Uh, I quite, I don't like sitting around too often if I'm on holiday. I don't want to just sit in one place for a whole week, which unfortunately for me, the people I'd gone with were more inclined to stay poolside, mm. whereas I was like, no, I want to explore a bit, you know, we've got a whole island and you you just staying on the resort. Yeah, you want to see what there is to offer, you know. You I got attacked what... by a seagull while I was there. Oh, fuck that. I went, I went for a walk over the cliffs. Uh, I think I got a bit too close to one of the nests. No, I'll tell you what that was. You, you, you'd gone to the edge of the map and the guardians <laughs> had come in and they were trying to stop you from, like, venturing out too far. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it, it, it was like that. So I'd always go out and about and explore and there's a photo of me, nice, hot, clear, sunny day, in jeans and a jacket on a yeah. sunbed. Yeah. Because yeah. I'd, I'd just got back from a walk. And to be fair, it was pretty breezy. It was actually quite cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you were just yeah, not doing anything, letting the sun soak up. I want to talk about this one time that I went to Wales. However, oh, okay, another time I decided to go down to the pool and it was the one day it was lashing it down. I'm just... There, I've been told to get out of the pool because of the rain for some bizarre reason. Okay. And I'm just there like, yeah, it's raining. I'm in my swimming trunks. You didn't give a fuck. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a good time right now. So talk about seagulls stopping you from like venturing outside the, the boundaries that the game developers have set for you. <laughs> so when I was when I, I was in Wales, God, it was like nearly two years ago now. We, we normally go camping every year, me and some friends. Ah, this isn't the photo shoot we did in London. Or... No, 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 no. That was a different thing with a different car, right? I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> but 
quite similar in the sense that so we were camping at Black Rock Sands. Beautiful place, right? Um, it was the last night of the camping weekend and I went to go get some beers and some snacks out of the boot of my car. Um, went into the boot, you know, put my phone down, put my keys down, rummaging around, seeing what I wanted. Grabbed a big box of booze and some snacks, piled it on top, closed the boot with my elbow, turned around, realized what I'd done, turned back around, beep, the boot was locked. With my wallet, my phone was in my pocket, luckily, but with my wallet, with my keys, right? What the fuck? Nightmare. Uh, Instantly started Googling how to unlock the boot without the key. And there were tutorials telling me I need to thread my hand behind the uh, behind the springs of the left rear tire, and then like you know pull this metal wire. I couldn't find the metal wire. Um, the next morning, everyone, all my friends were leaving the campsite, going home because they had to get to work and shit, and so did I. And I'm ringing my boss up like, oh shit, I'm kind of stranded in Wales. Nothing I can do. I rang up. Um, what did I do? I, I rang up locksmiths and the the dealership of my car manufacturer, and I, I rang up like my insurance, and all of them said it's not worth it. If we tried to get in the car, it would trip the immobilizer. You wouldn't be able to drive it off the field. You'd be stuck there, right? I mean, to be fair, that that that's quality security features. Yeah, hundred percent. Which is fine if you're in a civilized part of the world. But I mean, the nearest town was an hour and a half walk away in any direction. Right. Okay, no. I was between Port Maddox and Cricketh, okay? Really, really nice. Port Maddox's quite big. It's, it's small, but it's bigger than Cricketh, okay? They're both quite touristy. Yeah. Um. Anyway, my friends, they're all fucking off. They're all driving away. You know, they've got shit to do with their lives. And I'm like, all right. So they leave me a pop-up tent and they leave me a battery bank. And that was kind of them. Yeah, th- yeah. I mean, and I'm just there like, okay... How am I going to get home? It's pointless if they take... If It's pointless if my friends drive me back to my house in Manchester because I've not got the house key. My, <laughs> my housemate at the time, Henry, he was at the time doing some freelance work down south in London. So he wasn't going to be back until the day after. So that was pointless. So I'm just like... If I recall correctly, he drove back from London... The day and after, he, yeah. Yeah, and he got your spur key and then drove straight over to Wales. Yeah, yeah. So from London to Manchester, turned around, back down to Wales. The man's a fucking legend. I'm going to just mention <laughs> it on this podcast, Henry. What a guy, right? And he even brought his dog with him. So when he came to my rescue, and, <laughs> and I'm just literally sat in my tent just waiting, right? <laughs> um, just, just, just waiting for recovery. So he came back. We walked the dog. It was great. Drove back. Fantastic. But... The reason why I mention it is because the I had to spend a night in this tent on my own. So obviously, you know, what do you do? You're on your own. Some people can't deal with being on their own. But you t- I'll tell you something, though, mate. It, it was a very nice experience because it was like a forced extended holiday. Mm. Um, that Monday evening, it was a bank holiday. The Monday evening, I walked over to Cricketh. took me an hour and a half. I just, you know, sat on a bench for a couple hours and watched the, you know, watched the sunset. Earlier that day, I went walking around this castle. There was this old guy, I forget his name, but he was on his own because he was waiting for like his, um, I don't know, niece to finish work or something, and he'd gone to see her for the day. So he took me around the castle for this like little tour. He had a bit of history. Um, the day after, I went to... Oh, no, no, that's also what happened. Um, whilst in Cricket, I went to a cafe just so that I could get on the free Wi-Fi, <laughs> download some films, because what am I supposed to do on my own? I walked home... 
well, to the tent. Yeah. And it was getting dark and I was climbing over these rocks. This is, you know, the seagull story that you mentioned reminded me of this. There were no seagulls, but there were some sheep and they were looking at me and they gave me some fucking bad looks. Oh. Like they did not, they were not happy. And I'm just like, like what are they going to do to sheep? But I mean, I was you know still scared was? for my life, Matt, honestly. They knew you weren't native. I wasn't meant to be there. You, you, know? you didn't uh, serenade them enough. No. No, I no, I was wearing clothes. Like, <laughs> what are you suggesting here? But you know, like you know, th- th- these experiences shape who you are. And you yeah. know what? It was uh, the, for the first four hours of the twenty nine hours that I was stranded on my own, waiting for Henry to come and pick me up. Like for the first four hours, I was a bit worried. I was a bit concerned. I was like, "Oh, this hasn't gone to plan." But then things change. You kind of accept your fate, and then you learn to make the most of it. And I tell you what, mate, I had a great time. I remember when I was still in uni, uh, me and this is when we were going to Chechen, actually. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't. It wasn't, no. This is when we were going to Milan. Chechen, we got there quite early because Joe was coming with us. Oh, yeah. So like, we all met up and we all got on the plane. And it, it was a nice little thing. But when we went to Milan, we were we were last minute on everything. Like I think we booked the flights a month before as a joke. Okay. We were like, oh, we're going to go to Milan. And then we were like, are we going to Milan though? And they got something like, right, we need to make a decision. <laughs> are we or are we not going to Milan? Because we haven't got a place to stay. We haven't packed any luggage. We've not got anything planned. All right, we'll go. We... <laughs> it's not the answer I was expecting. <laughs> we were there for 36 hours. Right, we arrived on, let's say, Tuesday night. It was there all day Wednesday and we left Thursday morning. We were not there for a long time at all. Mm. However, we found uh, Airbnb the day before we travelled. Wow. It it was crazy. I found out why later, but... Oh, why? What? Why? Why? What happened? Was someone murdered in there or something? No, no, was no. Was there no, some no, horrific no. reason no, as no, to no, why no, it was no. vacant? No. All the other Airbnbs were applied for. I didn't realize I hadn't verified my account, so they kept just automatically declining me. You're a piece of shit. Like fucking verify yeah. your account, man. <laughs> so we got we got the um, we got a place to stay, and we pretty much committed to if we don't get a place to stay, we we will just stay on a bench or something. Yeah, literally just like on a bench. Yeah, get some newspapers, fifty p. Literally. Like, yeah, uh, and we. Yeah. We were running late the whole way. And it just so happens on the day that we were flying, there was a, a problem on the local rail service. All right. And we arrived at the airport 30 minutes before the flight. 30 minutes. 30 minutes to get through check-in to security to the gate. Wait, so you, when you arrived at the airport, the flight was 30 minutes from when you arrived? Yeah, we had 30 minutes to get from where we were. Fucking hell. Now, think about it. That's, think about, that's incredible. Think about it this way. There's a reason why they say get there at least two hours before so you can get through all this stuff. And you can get through the um, yeah the duty-free. Oh, mate. like I mean, I've, I've done it within an hour, and I thought that was fucking tight. There was no room for error in that time. Yeah. Like, But you also need to get there 20 minutes before the departure time for the plane to like oh yeah because they're gonna lock you off they're not gonna let you in if you like so if you think about it that way we had 10 minutes oh my god we had 10 minutes to do everything and holy cow that was the quickest i have ever gone from 
getting into an airport and getting out of the country. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible how you manage that. We, I mean, we got drug swabbed at fucking security as well. Oh, the random drug checks. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't think it was random. They were just like, the, there's a bit of a substance. We just got to check. Oh, is it that thing where, like, no, I, like, I had I had duct tape in my bags. I did film, TV, and duct tape was just part and staple. Right, that's just weird, man. Like, you're not you're not going to Milan to fucking film shit. I just forgot to take it out of my bag from uni. Fair enough. I just happened to have all the duct tape in my bag, and I'm like, right, we're gonna do a full drug check here. I mean, I mean, I've had it where it was a work trip. We were going. On a bit of a road trip down the east coast of America. So start in Boston, New York, Ohio, North Carolina, and then Miami, and then Delray Beach in Florida. A work trip taking two weeks. I didn't want to miss it. And fuck me, I arrive at the airport with no passport. Yeah. Like, I like <laughs> I, I, I arrive and everyone's like, hey, Marcus, how's it going, man? Yeah, great. Have you got your passport? My face dropped. Like, honestly, it was like... it. You can't see it at home, but it was like happy. And then suddenly it's like, and I'm oh, there rummaging, I'm rummaging through my bag trying to find this fucking thing. And I'm like, I know that I've not got it. I'm rummaging my bag just to put on a face for the fucking colleagues that I'm with because I don't want to look like an idiot. Um, luckily, we would got to the airport, you know, with enough time so that I could get a taxi and do like a bounce trip, like a boomerang fucking... Ayrton Senna, he looked like Ayrton Senna, okay, reanimated for my purposes at my time of need, okay? I do believe if you need him, the ghost of Ayrton Senna will come back, okay? Because if you don't go for a cab, you're not a racing driver. In the fucking black cab and within, I mean, Manchester Airport to Salford, I'd like to say that within 30 minutes round trip, back to the house, in there, in the cupboard, got the passport, back in the taxi, on the plane, Bam. Damn. Sorted. Yeah. Fucking gold medal. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. How fast was that guy driving and how much did you have to pay for that trip? Um, I think it, I think the round trip was 70 quid. Oof. 70 pounds. You 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 gave him a, a bit extra for that, didn't you? Oh yeah, no. Well well, <laughs> I mean like my colleagues did like fork out a little bit as well. Um I might have forgotten to pay James back. Sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, we know what you're doing on Monday. <laughs> 30 pounds up the swanny. <laughs> mm. But, um, oh yeah, man. Like, how can you... I mean, to be fair, like, I, the purpose of me going on that trip was to film shit. So, I I was too focused on have I got the right lenses, the right batteries, like filming equipment. There's a lot of, you know, yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know? You're looking more at the practical side of the trip as opposed to the bureaucratic side which is have you got your identification to travel from this country to that country papers please yeah which brings me on to my next point actually and i want to ask you so it look i've been working where i've been working for four years i produce videos and that's great but i have been using my own equipment to do that the company's never had enough budget to invest in me to you know produce better quality videos now the argument has always been um, oh, well, you know, you can find creativity within limitation, right? Some of the most creative films out there are filmed on phones and all that shit. Now, very recently, I have been granted a small budget to actually get some proper equipment that the company's going to pay for, which will allow me to make better videos. Now, I'm asking you, because you produce photos as a hobby, right? Yeah. 
at what point do you distinguish between, oh, I need to be creative or I need the equipment to be creative? Because I feel that a lot of the times in the photo and video industry, people get sucked into, oh, I need this codec, I need this resolution, I need this color space, I need this, um, you know, this lens to do, you know, like you can find creativity with limitation, but there becomes a point, right? People who don't understand about dynamic range and other technical things with cameras. How now, do you explain to them, oh, I need this in order to do what I want to do? Now, here's my thing about that. I am by no means uh, a professional. And I am by all means grabbing the next beer. So what's, hang the on, let me just, red, so what is this? Red and black. Red and black. Oh, this is the porter. This is the porter. Oh, this is 6.8%. This is going up <laughs> slightly, man. Anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah, I am in no way... <laughs> uh, so I did that, but I didn't. So right. So just to explain, right, when we open bottles on the podcast, we watch each other, and uh, then we allow the other person time to actually do it. But I, I, I don't know what happened, but I kind of missed it. You, there you go. You kind of like you let the lip slip, let the lip slip. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it it just slipped off, and he didn't actually open the beer. He just kind of threw the bar blade up in the air. I don't really know what happened there. Sorry, man. I'm distracted yeah, from your story. So that, that was funny. <laughs> Anyway, I am in no means a professional. However, I know there are sites that you can use to rent specific equipment. Oh, yeah. Personally, I have uh, two prime lenses. I've got a 50mm prime Mm -hmm. and a 24mm prime. Prime just means that you can't zoom in and zoom out. Yeah, there's no zoom. Oh, okay. Just very quickly, let me just tell you. So whilst making videos at work, obviously I work with people who, um, you know, aren't, I'm the only person who does video at the company. Only I understand how the lenses and the cameras and all that shit works. And the amount of complaints I've got, because it's like, oh, Marcus, can't you just zoom in? And I'm like, no, I can't. I've only got prime lenses. And it's like, what do you mean? Can't, can't you zoom in? I'm like, no. How much does that camera cost? I'm like, it doesn't fucking matter how much it costs. Like, I can't zoom in. It's a yeah. prime lens. You know, there are benefits to having a prime lens, but uh, one of them is not zooming in and out. <laughs> the key benefit to a prime lens is they tend to be crisper, they have a lower aperture, which means you can open it up wider and yeah. let more light in. Better in low light, better if you want to get a shallow depth of field. Yeah. More creative with your shots. Yeah, man. All that. Uh, yeah, basically those those two. And if you knock it, it's not going to affect the zoom. You're not going to accidentally knock the focus as easily. Also, if you're using it for video, if you're using like a gimbal or like a Steadicam or something that is a balanced piece of equipment to help you get smooth footage... If you zoom in and zoom out, it's going to make the lens longer or shorter. It'll throw the balance off. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it will. Primes don't have that. Anyway. You can go to vendors online that will rent equipment to you for certain prices. And this is something I've done in the past. Uh, We were, was it the Snake Pass that we went to? And Uh, we were doing like a little test promo shoot for a car. Was that it? No, it was near Snake Pass. It was, uh, I believe it was Dovestone Reservoir. Yeah, because I remember David got a rental car and we were we were having fun with that, mm. taking pictures as it going past. I think we did some donuts in a car Oh, mate, that, that was point. a great time. Yeah, just yeah. what a way to spend an evening. Uh, like, it was um, lovely weather. And we were hanging out the back of a car to get these pictures with 
no safety safety equipment at all. I mean, I had a seatbelt, but other than that, I mean, I I was holding the camera. At least fifty percent of my body was not in the car at one point. I want like the camera was so low to the ground, I could the gravel from the from the back of the tires was going in my eyes. Like, honestly, it was like like within five centimeters from the ground. Honestly, yeah, at forty miles an hour speed, faster. I think you got it up to sixty at one point. Oh yeah, at one point, yeah, yeah. And then Henry, who was driving, he'd be like. Cattle grid because <laughs> there was a cattle grid, right? Because obviously it's like farmland, and um, that thing hurt. <laughs> it, did, it did. But for that little shoot, I rented a lens. I thought I'm, I've got my prime lens. I've nice. got a zoom lens. Mm-hmm. I'm going to rent a, a 24 mil prime, yeah, which man. I didn't have at the time. Uh, the prime lens I ended up buying at 24 mil is dog shit. If I'm honest, I don't like it. So Wait, it's got- you, you bought it. I bought a different 24mm. The one that I rented was quite nice, mm. but I always find myself going back to the 50mm prime, which is ironic because it's not a native lens to my camera. It's a conversion lens. Okay, so it's like you've got a... Um, it's built for a different kind of camera. Yeah. And you've had to like use an adapter to... Yeah. You know. It is the cleanest, crispest lens I have ever used, and wow. I got it for 50 quid. 50 quid, very nice. Well, to be fair... Like, even like even in uni when they've got these like hundreds of pounds worth of camera equipment with zoom lenses. Thousands, man. Yeah. I would always find myself going back to this camera, this camera, this lens because it was just clean and clear. I was like, there is something very right about this lens that makes me want to go and find more and just get a converter as opposed mm. to use the the standard lenses that are built for the camera. Mm-hmm. And being a, a prime lens, I don't need the mechanical function that comes with the body, you know? Well, that's the thing, because it's an older lens, right? Yeah. So modern, if for those of you who don't use cameras, like modern lenses are somewhat electronic. So yeah. they, you know, they, they sync with the camera that they're built for so that you can adjust like the settings and the aperture and the zoom and, and the focus and so on in camera. But if it's a lens that isn't built for the camera and you've got to use an adapter, then you, you lose that functionality. You have to use your hands to manually, you know, adjust the lens and so on. I, I tend to use my camera on aperture priority. Mm. So the camera will automatically set the aperture for me. Yeah. And I adjust the f-stops, which makes sense because the camera can't do anything with the f-stop itself. Mm. Yeah. From that, I get quite nice images. Hmm. Well, yeah, I've seen clean, like crisp, that that meteor image. Mm. And I do, mate. I do want that printed. Like, once I get paid, I'm 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 paying for that getting done because it's a it's a good image, man. Yeah, it's a good shit. We we looked up like whether that was a meteor or not, but there was no recorded sightings at that time. I and mean, I, and I'm I'm not a professional in this. If it look, if they the, say there's been no recorded sighting, I'm not going to be like. Yeah, this was a meteor. Yeah, but it looks like one. It does. Yeah, but the thing is, like, no one else was probably... That, mate, there are hundreds of meteors. I wasn't even looking at it, man. There are hundreds of meteors that hit this planet, and most of them, 90% at least, will not get noticed, right? It just so happens that that one time in Russia, seven, eight years ago, there was a dash cam that recorded it, okay? Like... One. Hmm? One dash cam. One dash cam. Well, okay, yeah, no, that, it, the, it blew one, the windows one, no, off what, buildings. No, no, okay, right. It, it it landed in Russia. Every fucker in Russia's got dash cams, man. 
Of course you're going to have a dash cam. There's random tanks that drive across the road. Have you been to Russia? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Although this brings me on like it's one of my... It's a cultural thing. This brings me on to like one of my life ambitions. Mm. I don't know if anyone knows. I think I've told you before. But you can you can pay to fly in a MiG-21. Yeah. I remember you asked me what if you could do anything, what would you reasonably do like within reach? Okay, so... My original answer was, I want to go to Russia, jump in a MiG-21, and you can get a 45-minute space flight. Nice. And it takes you all the way up to the edge of the atmosphere. So MiGs can do that, because obviously, like... Yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought modern... Like, like modern planes, I don't think, can do that, can they? Like... I feel like older generation jets were designed to the limit. Yeah. Like, think about the SR-71. Mm. that thing flies high and fast. To be fair, I suppose there's no reason to design modern jets to go that high because what's the use? Like, It's it's become uneconomical, mm. essentially. Yeah, like back in the 70s and 60s, like, who gives a shit? You're just going to fly, you, know, you burn the you fuel wanna, you want. Yeah, you want to yeah. be the biggest, fastest, strongest plane It's a flex. It's, it's a flex. It, it was. It was the Cold War, man. Yeah, it was the Cold War. And it now was... there's just no no reason. Well, there's no motivation to. I mean, it's like with the moon landings, obviously, like the space race, but now there isn't so much of a of an onus to get your tech in low Earth orbit because, you know, like there's no threat of impending doom from the other side. True. But that said, SpaceX comes along purely motivated by the fact that they just want to get, like, humanity into a space age state um and that's all the motivation they need i saw a great ask reddit thread recently which was if you had to waste one million dollars oh yeah so you can't use it on anything productive you have to for all intents and purposes throw this away Mm. on buying crap writing off a bugatti veyron that's what i'd do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I think a Bugatti is more than a million dollars. Well, the base, the base, the original one. The, was the catch is, if you succeed in blowing this one million dollars, you would then get a million dollars to spend on yourself. That's quite hard to do, to be fair. My response was, I would get a CubeSat okay. that would be attached to a Falcon 9 rocket and blasted off into space. CubeSats can piggyback quite cheap on a Falcon 9. Mm. And it would play... It would rickroll the Earth on a continuous loop. Rickroll? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so it would have... Uh, Rick Ashley's never going to give you up. Mm. And it would broadcast it down to Earth on a varying frequency for however long and just keep going around the Earth, rickrolling everyone. How who, many years do you reckon who this happens would to listen in? However long the uh, however long a solar panel can keep providing enough power. I mean, that's a long time, man. I mean, shit, you're talking 70s tech, okay. The Voyager space probes are still operational. They haven't run out of uh, nuclear power yeah, yet. Yeah, they're still going. Yeah, man, which is mental. Like, imagine if we launched those things now, how much longevity... I mean, they've been going longer than we ever thought they would. But imagine how long they could go now with modern-day technology. Those probes are ba- built back in the 70s, man. It's crazy to think. No, genuinely, like, the technology in our pockets 
is more advanced than the technology on the Voyager space probes. And I'm not talking about a phone. I'm talking about a key fob. <laughs> Genuinely. Jeez. That, that's, that's, some, that's, that's something to think about. Like, think about a, NFC. Oh, the NFC. Okay. Yeah. Like near field communication. Yeah. Inconceivable back in the 70s, back when they were doing the... They're just on the moon landing. It's literally magic. Like you, like you can put your hand through it <laughs> and it still works. Okay. Even wireless G charging, that's mental as well. How, did, how, how does that work? I feel like wireless is actually quite practical. Not for you. You've got that charger over there. You don't use that. It's a I fucking mean... coaster for you. Put your drink <laughs> on there, you know? I think the problem is that that's one of the first generation wireless chargers. This is like one of... The first white Look, the thing is, they're very slow. But the thing is, as well, I charge my phone at night time and I plug it into the wall, right? Now, obviously, charging your phone quickly damages the battery. Having it on 100% battery damages the battery. So, really, I should be using a wireless charger. It's slow. It, it'll make the battery last longer. See, I'm the opposite on that. I do not charge my phone overnight. I only ever charge my phone up during the day. Mm. Which can be quite impeding, especially if uh, if I've been on my phone. I've been having a problem. I I tend to put a, a certain channel on YouTube to fall asleep to, mm. and I, and then the video will stop and my phone should go to sleep after ten minutes. Yeah. And recently, it's not been doing that. It just stays on all night. When it's a weekend, I don't give a shit. I just put it on anyway. I listen to I listen to um, all sorts of things, right? Like that helped me sleep. It used to be this this Belgian guy reviewing like different wines, different knives, that kind of don't read into that. Bit weird. That um, was when you were in bloody school as well. Mate, I'm still subscribed to the guy. He doesn't <laughs> produce videos, he does watches now, but I mean it's it's people who have accents that I'm not familiar with. Mm. It's like an ASMR thing. Like genuinely, there's a guy that I'm listening to now, and he's clearly realized that his voice has an ASMR quality to it, right? Because he started producing more videos recently. He is the master tailor for a company called... Uh, oh, what's it called? Oh, my God. Oh, um, no. it's, it, it, it's a suit tailoring company in on, on Savile Row. Okay. M- Maurice Sadwell, I believe it's called. Maurice okay. Sadwell. I'm going to Google that just very, very quick just to find out. Right. Um, but basically, like, he's a guy from... Um, not from Sri Lanka, but from a different part of the world. And honestly... You're living it quite open here. Yeah. He could be well, from Sri Lanka, but he could be from somewhere else. Right. So, yes, it is Maurice Sedwell. Um, I know the guy's name, but he just talks in a very soothing like voice. You know? it, it's true. Some people just have that voice. And I feel like if I twist my voice enough i could have it as well yeah well, i just don't think people care for that the enough thing, the thing is he's talking about like oh there you go he's from trinidad all right okay yeah so and th- this andrew ramroop right this is very fucking niche i didn't expect to talk about this right this guy is is master gentleman okay he is the fucking pinnacle of what a, what a man should be in my opinion right he is obviously from Trinidad. He immigrated to the UK uh, many years ago, and he decided, I want to be a tailor, I want to make suits, and I want to work in Savile Row. And he worked extremely hard for many years, and no one would give him a job except for this guy called Maurice Sedwell. 
Now, Maurice Sedwell. I'd just like to say, what a specific fucking dream. This is very, very specific. <laughs> well, no, because like, you know, you like, he, the thing is, his upbringing, right? He was very, very young and it was a part of the world where, you know, there, was, there wasn't a lot of work opportunities. Um, he had to make his own clothes. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very privileged, man. Like we can just go to Primark and check. I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't go to Primark specifically, but you can just buy clothes. Fair, he had I, to make his clothes. When I need work clothes, I go to Primark. Like, where can yeah. I get the cheapest shirt for work? Primark. Yeah, but who's making that shit? Someone in This uh, fucking Vietnam. guy, this guy, literally this guy is making that, right? So he, he spent a lot of time perfecting his craft, couldn't get a job in the UK. This guy called Maurice said, well, hired him. Um, I believe he passed away and Andrew Ramroop um, took on the business of Murray Sedwell and there was a recession in the 90s. Andrew was like, nah, fuck the recession, right? We're going to produce suits and tailor-made <laughs> things for America because America's doing great right now and they were because of the dot-com boom. So everyone wants suits and he did extremely well for the business and the average price for a tailor-made suit from Marie Sedwell is like £5,000. Wow. Yeah, but think about it. Like, I actually aspire to one day own one of those garments because you don't just buy it. You sit there, you have a lot of meetings, you discuss everything about it. And it's made to measure, you know what? obviously. I want to talk about something kind of similar. Like, I could not afford that right now mm. at all. Same. However... One thing I've been looking into recently is buying a car. I'm not going to go into specifics too much, except mm. insurance. Yeah. Last time I checked insurance for a car, if I was to buy one, was before the pandemic. Mm. And it was over two grand just to insure myself. Really? Yeah. Oh, wait. So are you... Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll save it. I'll save it. Go save on. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I was, I was a bit apprehensive about buying a car. So obviously... 2400 a year to insure a car not to mention road tax mot's tax discs whatever that's a very american thing to say 2400 i say 2400 but people in this country would normally say 24 well 2400 i prefer 2400 i think it's better i think it's easier i know what it means but i'm just saying i think it's just quicker to say yeah, it I is. Think, I think that's what it is. Like yeah, 2,400 like or 2,400. America, America's all about making things easier. Sidewalk. Why is it called a sidewalk? Because you're specifying it's on the side and you're walking on it. Things like that. Yeah. You're just making it simple. Anyway, go on. Anyway. And <laughs> I've been I've been kind of on hold to do my driving test for over a year now because of the pandemic. Literally, you had your test book for March 2020. I was supposed to book it at the end of March in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't have it booked. I was supposed to book it so that my instructor could go through everything with me before yeah, that, pre- like, wait properly. Yeah. yeah, of course, right? And obviously, lockdowns hit. And yeah, I've this whole pandemic to... has been about you basically not being able to do driving test. And every time I have lessons now, the refresher lessons to make sure that I still know everything. Yeah, exactly. And then another lockdown hits. You've got to keep up I, your skills. Yeah. And then I go back in the car and we do all the refresh stuff and then another pandemic hits. And like, you keep paying the money and it's like, yeah. fuck's sake, you know? Yeah. I was hoping, personally, I was hoping to have my lessons and tests done in a quicker time than my sister. Namely because my sister is younger than me and it took her just over a year to do all the lessons and pass a test. And I was looking at eight months. 
Okay, yeah. Which mm-hmm. is pretty pretty solid, if you ask me. Yeah, I think that'd be that'd be very good, yeah. Yeah. But now it's obviously going on a year and a half. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's been a pandemic. Man. Yeah, like, you can like, Don't knock yourself. You can understand okay. why. It's all right. Yeah. Anyway, between post-lockdown and after-lockdown, I have turned 25. And it turns out turning 25 really helps your insurance. Mm, massively. Because looking at the potential cost of insurance today, the highest quote we got was 1100 Bearing in mind that City Centre Manchester, yeah, that is cheaper than any On insurance. On street parking as well. On street parking. I have never paid, right? When I do my insurance, I specify that it's in a locked garage. It's not, technically. Well, it technically is, right? This is when I was at uni and there was underground car park with like shutters. Yeah. So, <laughs> locked garage, right? I mean... F- 1500 I'm talking. Yeah. Again, 1500 not 1500 it's easy to say. Um, so, you're paying for it. But, I mean, 25 new driver, that's, that's ex- like, that is the most you're paying. Realistically, you'll be looking at like 750 800 at the Yeah, most. I think we got a low, low estimate of 770 yeah, this is annually, obviously. I mean, like, if you can afford to pay annually, I'd recommend it because, you know, it's pay monthly. You're paying a bit extra for the privilege of doing that. Here's the thing, right? It's expensive to be poor. Um, it is. It's very expensive. It really is. Yeah, if, if you can I, afford things in cash, then it's cheaper. I you pay monthly, it's more. I saw something earlier about how the economy has grown under the Conservative government, which is mm. great. However, one of the things that emphasized was while people meet in middle upper classes have seen that benefit people in poorer backgrounds have got poorer oh yeah no they're fucking have, as and have had less available to them mm. it's like how can a country's economy develop and how the poorest people get poorer look like not all politicians okay but the big dogs in the conservative party they have money, they've got property, they've got other income streams, okay? They cannot represent... We're going political, fuck's sake. They cannot represent the people, man. Represent the people. Like, most people do not have stacks in the no, bank or really in don't. some fucking house somewhere, you know? They really don't. It's bullshit. So, like, it's not... How can you entrust this geezer to fight for your best interests when they are interests that they do not actually have. They don't even know that they that they exist. You know what? I was watching a film last night called A United Kingdom. It's mm-hmm. about the chieftain or king of Botswana Okay. Uh, before he was fully appointed king. Uh, his uncle was regent while he was studying in London. And he met a girl in London and they got married. And the problem, massive international dispute because the king of Botswana married a white woman. Really? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. You don't hear that very often. Uh, I actually read into it quite a bit last night. All right, go on. So I was like, what the fuck? Why is this such a problem? Obviously, racism was way more prevalent back then. Now, people tend to be less racist, if at all. Yeah. Hopefully, it's. Most mostly at all. This brings and, me uh, on. Yeah, go on. And uh, South Africa were introducing apartheid, which is like blacks and whites have to be separate; they can't marry each other or anything. And then just across the border, you've got this white 
wife to a black king. It's incredible that in some parts of the world, this bullshit still exists. Anyway, uh, he petitioned the British government, the British Labour government, mm-hmm. to allow him to go back home and be with his wife and and do what he is destined to do, which is be the king of this country and fight for its rights, fight for its people, support its people. Yeah, man. And they said no, because they wanted to appease South Africa. Right. So Churchill in the Conservative Party was like, no, we will we will fight for this man so we can go back home and be with his wife. Mm-hmm. And he'd been exiled for five years because they thought he wasn't fit for uh, fit for purpose. We shall wed them in the trenches. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when Churchill actually gained power, he exiled him indefinitely. Oh fuck! Yeah, and uh, the only the only way he managed to actually go back to his country was by getting a copy of the report that they used to say he wasn't fit for rule, which com- was completely misleading. Yeah, yeah. The report said that it would be against South Africa's interests for him to rule from Botswana. And this is the thing, like, what the fuck has it got to do yeah. with us? Like, who 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 are we to decide? Like, I believe the reason our nose in. I believe the reason we were appeasing South Africa was because we got cheap gold from them. Oh yeah, no, no, no. We rinsed that country. We we rinsed the whole fucking world, man. I mean, every empire. I mean, not just us empires before. You know, you go to different countries, you take their resources. India, we st- we took so much shit from them and left it in the fucking dust. I mean, they're, they're starting to do all right now, fair enough. But I mean, like, we're, we're, we're pieces of shit. Like, we, are, we are actually shit. I wouldn't say we left them in the dust. We got kicked out because we put them in the dust. Well, here's the thing, right? And then we're like, oh, we're going to build railways for you, infrastructure, all that. <laughs> Where are the fucking diamonds? That's what they're saying. Yeah. Where are the fucking diamonds? Where are our spice? You're taking all our spice? Where's the fucking spice? It's in, the, it's in, the, like in that fucking cupboard. We've got cumin, paprika, fucking um, Lebanese seven spice. I'm not quite sure what's in there. The label doesn't actually tell me what's in that. I don't know what's in that. It's pretty good though. I would recommend it. Um, you know, so you go around different countries taking shit and then saying to them, oh, you should live in this way. You know what? Let them the, do what they want. This is a, a, a semi-political mindset that I'm going to in. in I'm going to tell you now. Yeah. I, during Brexit, during that discussion between should we or should we not That leave whole fucking saga. The yeah. EU. Mm-hmm. I was very much on the fence. Now, mm. obviously, as a Northern Brit brought up from a working class family, my mindset is that the oh, EU was quite yeah. awful. Like They were quite bureaucratical. Mm-hmm. They were pushing agendas on us that they had no right to push oh any more than our fucking current government okay yeah 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 yeah. Um, okay Mm. and the fact that we would put more money into the eu than we would get out of it so for the most part i was on the side of leave however Mm. when the elections came around i didn't end up voting yeah so i was like but there's a lot of good with being in the eu as well there's a reason why we joined right there's a reason why we joined. The e- being in the EU has a lot of perks. And believe it or not, one of the biggest things I was thinking about during that entire time was Halo. Mm-hmm. All right. Halo's, this is a segue I wasn't expecting. This is good, right? Go on. Halo has, like, the main, I guess, protagonist after the Master Chief is the UNSC. 
Yeah. United Nations Space Command. United Nations. United Nations. United Nations. So, Isn't that a world that you want to see? So having a united government that work together to better the quality of everyone's lives, mm. no matter how trivial, as opposed to just a select few. We're one is, race, man. Yeah, is obviously better yeah. than hmm. being away. Like, I agree the EU is quite bureaucratical. And, oh, fucking hell. hell. You know what's funny, right? Okay, you jumped at that. I was watching the timer. I knew that was coming and I still fucking jumped. <laughs> I didn't expect it to come so soon, if I'm honest. But you're right. I mean, yeah. like, it's 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 breaking down borders and we are, we are citizens of the earth. Yeah. Is it not our right? At, at the end of the day, we're only human. Yeah, we're all the same. Like, we are all of the same species. We are all children of the same divine so, God, whatever God you believe in doesn't matter, right? It's creation. So if you want to go and spend six months working in Spain and then another six months in fucking Somalia, you should be able to do that. Yeah. Like you're, if you're adding value to a country, why should they refuse you? Well, exactly. And and this is what I'm getting at. So during the vote time, I didn't vote. So I was, I was still debating it. I didn't know whether it would be good or better. And the longer Brexit has gone on and the more I think about it, it is better for us to be part of the EU. Because while, yeah, it is quite bureaucratical and quite... Yeah, like, it's got its problems, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So does our government in itself. Oh, mate, our government's fucking shit house. Yeah. (laughs) However... (laughs) Just not to be political, but I mean... However, the... The European Union is the only entity even close... To providing a united front against anything. Yeah. And and, like, and there is power in unity. Yeah. There is strength in unity. And back to the fucking tailor, Andrew Ramroop, there was an interview back with him in 2016 before Brexit was voted on. And he was asked, what is your opinion on Brexit? Obviously, he runs a business. He wants to be international and all that kind of thing. And he was saying how... Boris Johnson is more interested in personal gain and his reputation and building a brand for himself to make himself money, not the country. He said that in 2016, and I agree with that because that is exactly what I'm seeing right now. It is. Yeah, Um, so these fuckers who come in, and it's all about, uh, you know, and obviously if your family, right, is for Brexit, then by proxy you are more likely to be for Brexit or against it or whatever, you know, and that's absolutely fine. But I just think... As a nation, we want to be... Sorry, not as a nation. As a as a world. As a, as a communi- species. As a species, we want to be unified. Yeah. What is the point in having borders up? You know, if you want to go and work there or work here or work there, the reason why we are put on this earth is to experience and to explore and to find out about new cultures. We should be allowed to do that. Yeah, why would you sure. want borders up? Oh, protecting our jobs. Well, I'm sorry. What jobs? Yeah, what jobs, right? Oh... You're worried about foreigners coming here, taking your jobs. I'm sorry, the foreigners work harder than you. They work better than you. They're smarter than you, okay? You need to be better. Stop being a piece of shit. If, now, you, want, if you want to not, like, you know, not have your jobs taken, be more employable. Don't be a prick. Not even that. Before we end this episode, I'm going to touch on the fact... Self-entitled motherfucker. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Before I end this episode, I want to touch on the fact that most of the, I guess menial labor jobs are Mm. taken up by foreigners because most british people think it's beneath them they don't want to be cleaners no they'd rather be on benefits they don't want to work the cash register yeah they don't see the value in just putting the fucking hard work in 
and just they make see it, ends meet. They see it as beneath them, mm-hmm. which which I'm completely against. I've worked as a cleaner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only did it for two weeks because I had another job as well, and oh, it, no, mate, it, it, was, it was completely taking it out of me. It was a shit employer. However, the the way my old boss described my current job is: you're not a bartender; you're a glorified cleaner. You, I'm still a cleaner. This is how I see my job. I'm not someone there to make drinks and get paid for it and get extra tips. Mm. I am a cleaner who keeps a clean bar well, that's for the people who come in so that they can have an enjoyable experience. Well, there is a skill to it. You've got to be attentive. Yeah. You've got to give a good service. You've got to know what mixes with what drink and what limes and all that shit. You know, like you, you know, it, it is more than a cleaner, but you obviously have to keep think the bar ab- clean as well. Think about it this way. If the minimum wage is just keeping a clean bar, the the extra pay that I get is the knowledge of the drinks. Yeah. You've so, got a good knowledge of drinks as well. Yeah. Like you've learned a lot. I am paid above minimum wage, thankfully. And I attribute that to my knowledge that I have learned on the job, as mm-hmm. well as being good at cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because you've got to have a clean bar. That That's just by proxy. You've just got to do it. In the same way that you've got to have a clean house, like you can't just be a fucking pig. You've got to, you know, you have some standard, man. That's just basic. Like that isn't even accounted for. What's accounted for is the knowledge that you have in knowing. Like, didn't you do like a cocktail competition at one point where you were experimenting with different kinds of like drinks and bitters and mixers and all that? You know, like there's there's an element of of skill and and passion as well. You know, for the actual craft of it. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, I hate to break it to you. I'm I'm not massive on that front. I believe the drink I made, I wanted to focus on having a an espresso float. Mm-hmm. It it was a nice drink. It was everyone else focused on a balanced drink, and I hate balanced drinks because they just taste the same at the end of the day. Yeah, because it is balanced. It it's not too sweet. It's not too citrusy. It's just nice and consistent. And it's consistent across the board, mm. and I hate that in cocktails. I like yeah, something no. that punches, something that you want a bit, you, something you want a some bit sour, vigor. You want some yeah. bold shit that you know does some my, crazy shit. My drink was green, right? <laughs> it was green with black espresso flow on top. You wouldn't like me. With uh, my and drink. you, it presented <laughs> like some disgusting thing in the mix of espresso, and it didn't look nice. Yeah, man. but it had that unique flavor, and I'm glad I got to do that. And isn't that what a cocktail is? It can be anything you want it to be. Well, exactly. And on that note, it is time to end two guys talking episode oh, six. Sh- you know, there's so much shit I wanted to talk about. I wanted to I talk know. about we we've missed a lot, but it's something we can save for next week as well. Right, just very quickly. Right, you know the fucking the, you know the AI bringing it back to Halo. Right. Yeah. That game came out in 2001. Can I just explain to you how good the AI is in that game? Uh, make it brief. So right. I also want to explain what we're doing next week. Right. So. You've got the Master Chief, you, you're in a tank, okay? You're in a tunnel, right? Now, with Halo Combat Evolved and with any of the Halo games, you've got the AI, the Marines, that will get on the um, the, treads. Oh, the tread covers. They'll sit on the treads, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they'll sit on the tread covers of the tank. And there's this clip that I saw recently where you've got an enemy that throws a sticky grenade onto one of the guys who is sat on the side of the tank. And that if you're a Call of Duty player, think Semtex. Yeah, literally. So, like, he throws a stick of grenade. The AI of that 
like non-playable character jumps off the fucking tank within it without a moment of thought right and sacrifices himself to save the tank this is 2001 like how good is that ai that is a beautiful you don't see that like i'm sorry cyberpunk doesn't have that level of ai like that like age of empires none of that shit so so good yeah you know that is a testament to how good halo combat evolved was you know fucking jenkins didn't give a shit he was like i've got grenade on me i'm thinking about my brothers the bigger picture the effort the war effort i'm jumping i'm taking this fucking thing Hmm. and he did and my god man i was emotional when i I saw that video on youtube i was emotional i like to add that is from one of the novels not the main game series that he's talking about with jenkins oh jenkins oh no that's just like a generic like private name oh you don't know about (laughs) jenkins okay then all right. I'm not going to talk about it now because we do not have time. I'm, I'm sorry to say. Fair enough. And it is time to end I'm two guys di- talking episode I, six. I am dying for a piss, I've got to be honest. However, I would also like to say next week we'll, we will be introducing our first guest. We will be having an impromptu guest on the podcast. And it's exciting because like, it, it introduces a new dynamic, a new essence to the podcast. There's three three voices now we've got to like deal deal it, with. It's yeah, instead of just me and you. It's fantastic. You know. Sick of this shit, man. You know what's sick? You know, you know what's really good? The main reason why I'm excited? Because whilst you two are yammering away at each other, I can have a, I can have a drink. I don't have to worry about talking. <laughs> I can just sit back and enjoy the conversation. And that's what I'm enjoying. That's what and I'm looking forward to. On that note, it's time to end. Thank you for listening to Two Guys Talking. Thank you very much. Episode and six. We will see you next week. See you next week.